I keep meaning to reset my phone. I have my phone on that automatic setting that it has where I feel like in if, if I don't attend to my phone in 20 seconds, um, it locks up on me and it drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and it really breaks my heart because I have that facial recognition now and it never recognizes me in the morning. And all I can think is how awful do I look in the morning? Like if I pick my phone up and I go to read it, you know, first thing, like when I'm laying in bed. Oh yeah. I'm like, well, I put my glasses on my face. Why doesn't my phone recognize me with like the bags under my eyes pre-makeup? Siri's brutal. She is not a friend. I haven't gone that far. I haven't gone to the face facial recognition yet. Really? No, yeah. I, I have an Android, so I suppose I could use that, but yeah. Yeah. No, um, I, I, I'm an, I'm an Apple person being a photographer, you know, my whole life that I could be on a computer, everything has been Apple and Mac. Um, and it's funny, I've seen those memes where people are like, um, Apple users love their iPhone. And then everybody else is like, why are you on that junk? Like their phones are so much better, but it's like, we get so sucked into the brand and the Apple family. You're in the Apple universe. I am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> very much oh my goodness we've got 10 comments already oh my goodness whoa linda ann says hello we have brawen rian and drew says hello brief fram um i think this might be brawen's first time visiting us thank you brawen it's a pleasure to have you is this somebody that that you know from your universe yeah worked with her at the last uh, last job oh awesome we've got Stephanie Margaret Uber says hello. Joanna Keller, Happy New Year, Eric. Garfrey Mont says hello. Christy Avery, oh, you've got some love coming in, lady. Desiree um, says hello. Christina Kendrick, welcome, Christina. I think this might be your first time with us too. Bobby Roberts, oh, I think every, yeah. Linda Ann's with me, Apple rocks. <laughs> That's right. See, this is like what happens. We have a whole conversation for like 10 minutes before we go live. So whenever I go live, it's like you're feeling the continuation of that. Amanda Price, Robin Kunkel, Danny Trumpel, Diana Crow, Hilaria Stanley. Oh, she's with you. Um, Android forever. Gary Ferris, Gary, um, this is Grace saying hi, Chloe Webb. My goodness, oh, I can't, I can't stop. It's just all the hellos, all the hellos. Um, Hello. <laughs> yes. So happy new year, everyone. Welcome to season two, two. Oh my goodness, of My Feminine Heart. We are starting episode, believe it or not, 95. In season one, 2020, we had 94 episodes of My Feminine Heart, and we were leading off with this most incredible trans advocate. Oh my goodness, what a phenomenon. Brie Fram, thank you so much for taking your time with us. Well, it's a pleasure to be here tonight. I'm looking forward to the discussion. So um, our very first club member, the very first person who ever signed up to My Feminine Heart, and it was by like a minute by minute tie, she barely beat out Jamie Kendall, was Danny Butler. And Danny is such a sweetheart. She's been such a supporter of My Feminine Heart. And I did her transition journey interview um, about almost a year ago, I believe like a year ago last February. And when I interviewed her, she turned to me and she said, I don't know if you know her, but you need to talk to Brie Fram. Boom. And um, she was just like, she's like 100% adamant. This is the next person you need to have on your show. And we're talking like 11 months ago. So for anybody who's joining us, <laughs> Brie, um, I reached out to Brie last year because I had hoped to interview you at Keystone, but I know your schedule is so tight at the Keystone conference as well. Um, but it's taken this long to finally have you on the show. And I'm so excited. And um, if anybody knows Brie, you know that she is one of the most influential, high-ranking trans women in the military that we know of. You know, that's, that's out. Um, and you're a lieutenant colonel. 
and the Air Force. And I'm what am what all are your rankings and degrees? And you, I'm, I know you're working on a second master's right now. You have such an amazing career. Can you give us for anyone who's like, who's Brie Fram? I, not that there's anyone out there who doesn't know who Brie Fram is, but just in case there's an outlier watching, what's what's the bio, Brie? Let's let's share with the world how amazing you are. Sure. You know, I've been told when I when I have to brag like this in front of others to turn it up to 11 because and that it really works well for me since I have a Hindenburg sized ego, if if that rings any bells. I want uh, a 12. Take it to a 12. <laughs> take it to a 12. All right. Well, I am a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, and I can only say that for about three more weeks because on the 1st of February, I'll be recommissioning into the Space Force. Uh, I have uh, degrees in aerospace engineering and astronautical engineering, uh, and I'm getting a second master's right now in national security studies. And uh, I've been in for, uh, for 18 years in the service. I am married, have two wonderful children who drive me crazy every time I see them, uh, but uh, very lucky to have the, the family, the friends that I do, um, and have had these amazing experiences in the military from deploying overseas uh, to serving as a legislative fellow uh, at the Capitol where I got to serve for a year as congressional staff and kind of see how things work behind the scenes. I uh, had the honor of commanding a, a squadron in the Air Force, uh, at which time I transitioned while I was in command, which was an amazing experience. And to have the teams that I've worked with over the years, the teams that I've had the absolute honor to lead, uh, it has been just incredible. Um, and I'm so thankful for all the experiences that I've been able to have, for the people that I've been able to meet, and all the amazing things that are still to come. Wow. I I'm just, I'm so blown away. So um, this has been a, an incredible time to have Brie on. Uh, when you hear her resume, know that she is somebody that when big things happen in the political world, CNN comes calling. And uh, so when I, we finally were able to get Brie on the show, she is our January sister of the month. Uh, so we are celebrating Brie all this month. Uh, we have pre-recorded this story of, of her life, of her journey as a, as a trans woman and as a trans military advocate. Um, so if you are joining us for the first time ever, know that tonight is a completely free live episode. So if you have any questions that you want to ask Brie, now's the time. Next week for Trans Tuesday, um, we are airing Brie's transition journey, her story. Um, and it's it's a beautiful story. I'm so honored to have had the chance to have captured it and to have interviewed her. If you have seen Brie um, interviewed before, she is very open in sharing on her life and experiences. So I really tried hard to find new things to interview her about that maybe hasn't been shared with the world before. So hopefully there's some new nuggets if you're looking for um, some new uh, dirt and love on Brie, you will find it in, in next week's episode. If you are one of our paid club members, you will be able to watch that entire episode for free. We won't be live, but the episode will be airing for our club members. If you uh, are not a club member, but you're just part of our listening audience, you will be able to hear it for free. So I hope that that can bring you some inspiration and some joy. Um, Brie, your passions just... Um, they overwhelm me, your excitement for aeronautics, um, for STEM, for uh, the family that you came from and for the future that you see for us. For any, you know, and in our interview that's going to air next week, we talked about like your whole life. We kind of tried to get the whole gamut of Brie into an hour, which I feel is not really possible to do. We did like the summary version. Um, but for anybody who is watching for the first time, one thing I'd love to point out is you're in a very unique situation right now. Um, you know, you changed your whole life without knowing COVID was coming and kind of are experiencing a unique situation. So if you haven't heard Bree speak recently, or if you haven't seen a recent interview, um, Bree, tell us where are, you, where are we talking to you from right now? So I am currently at the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, I decided 
well, my family and I decided that I would attend this alone this year because it was going to be a 10-month move. Uh, we didn't want to take the kids out of school. We wanted my daughter to get one more year with her hockey team before they moved. Uh, and we had made all the arrangements. Everything was together. And then COVID hits, shuts down. You know, so I moved to attend a virtual school. Even though the campus is just a mile down the road from me, all my classes almost exclusively have been via Zoom. I've gone in to pick up books, that's it. And it makes it a lot harder, even though my family's only four and a half or so hours away to get back because if I go there, I have to quarantine. If I come back here, I have to quarantine. Uh, so all good intentions, uh, but hasn't exactly worked out the way it seems. But five and a half months to go, excited to get through. It's still an awesome opportunity. Uh, it, it is an amazing opportunity to be selected for one of these programs and get to learn, to meet the other students. So right now we're kind of in that, let's finish it out. Let's see where we're going next uh, and where this all takes us. Yeah, I like it. It's amazing, you know, where we all thought we were one year ago today before COVID hit. And when we're making these decisions of what is this future year going to look like? So for anybody at home, that is feeling a little bit apart from their families. Maybe you just went through the holidays and you didn't get to spend the holidays as you normally would have. Um, you know, we're, we're all experiencing this in, a, in kind of our own little boat. Bree, do you have any advice for anybody that is, is not with their family at this time for COVID or for any other reason? Yeah, it's really just about finding those ways to connect. And most military people understand this because they're separated from their families all the time. Uh, and we are so lucky now to have Zoom, to have all these other technologies where not just can we see and interact with one another, you can play games over, over this with your family. You can see what they're doing. If, if my daughter actually were allowed to play hockey games, I could have my wife just hold up the phone and I could watch live uh, as, as she sat there, at least for until her arm got tired, uh, but find those little things that work for you, work for your family uh, and, and utilize them because we're so lucky to have the technology and the capabilities we have today and look forward to even more coming down the road. Well, we really appreciate you using this technology with us today. You know, when we had talked before, the idea would be I would interview you in person. Um, so just, I feel so blessed that we all now know Zoom and you know, or we're able to connect still in this way. And uh, so I would hope that anybody who's listening that is feeling a little down as we start the new year, you know, we still have a long road ahead of us. Follow Bree's example, find little ways of connecting, whatever it may be, we have the technology, still stay with each other. Um, so we have a lot that we talked about in our interview. And one of the things I love about Trans Tuesday Live is our ability to take questions right from our live audience. And I, I, I honestly am not able to keep up with the chat at this time. So I'm just gonna fire away at you at what I am seeing coming through. So if you see me drop my head to the screen, it's because I'm looking at the chat on my phone. Um, okay, bear with me. Oh my goodness, so much love. So Sarah Charles, hi Sarah, she'd like to know, I have friends who are retired military. Is there a Sparta equivalent for them? And just in addition, Brie, can you, can you talk about Sparta? Yeah, absolutely. So I am the vice president and communications director for a nonprofit organization called Sparta. And what Sparta does is educate uh, and advocate on behalf of transgender service members and also provides a peer support network for them. So again, we don't have those feelings that we're alone. Like we're the first ones going through that because for most military members, they are the first trans person that's been in their unit or that's worked under a certain commander. So to have a network to reach out to and to have folks that are available to do the education and advocacy work on your behalf is really important. And it's meant so much to me over the past uh, six or seven years that I've been part of the organization. But yes, there is an organization called TAVA, the Transgender American Veterans Association, that is basically the equivalent for veterans. So I believe their website is transveteran.org. Uh, check them out uh, for all those veterans that are out there. Uh, great organization to be a part of uh, and make sure that you can stay connected. 
Uh, Sparta also runs a Facebook group for veterans and allies, uh, which I believe is just called Sparta Vets and Allies. So look for that on Facebook and you can certainly join us there or follow Sparta uh, on Facebook or Twitter and get some of our info that way. Thank you for sharing that. So many of our sisters are um, current members of the military or veterans. And we thank everyone. And please always thank you so much for your service, Bree. Uh, so I'm so excited anytime that we can share um, advocacy and support for those who are and have served. Um, so the next question is coming from Desiree. What are your preliminary expectations with the Space Force? Well, I'm excited for Space Force. Uh, that moment where my uniform no longer says Air Force, it's bittersweet. It's this weird transition, if you will, of shedding one identity and putting on another. But what an opportunity to set the culture of a new service. This really hasn't happened. You know, we had the Air Force formed uh, just over 70 years ago, but then you have to go all the way back to around the revolution to find the times we set the tradition, set the culture of a service. So awesome time to be part of that, to be in on the, on the ground floor of the orbital elevator, as, as you will, and to be able to make Space Force the, truly a 21st century military service where we can look at new diversity and inclusion initiatives to make sure that we're taking into account everyone's potential and letting them reach it. But then to also be this amazing technological service that is constantly on the cutting edge and that what it cares about is your brain power. You're not gonna find too many Space Force members taking that hill. Now, while we will deploy, we'll you know join the Space Force and get sent to the desert anyways, because space is an integral part of the way we fight. It is really about no matter where we are, it's about the way we use our brains. So that's exciting to be part of a service that really values you for what's up here. That's, oh my goodness. Um, can I just say that I think ground floor of the orbital elevator might be my favorite phrase for the rest of this week. <laughs> now we have a big one coming in from Christy Avery. So I'm gonna preface this by saying that we really dive into this in your interview. We talk about um, the trans military bands and openings um, for service members. And we really delve into why you transitioned when you transitioned, but this is this is Christy Avery's question, and it kind of dates back to a presentation you did at Keystone. She says, Brie, congrats on your military transition to Space Force. Going to a war college in a different service is special. You will be a great leader in Space Force. During Keystone in 2019, at one of your presentations, I understood the policies of the current administration was forcing you and others to transition or get out. At that time, it seemed that was seriously uncomfortable. It was obvious to me your gender fluid life was good. Has dysphoria caught up with you the way the administration has forced you? No, I wouldn't say it was dysphoria that, that made me transition, that, that something hit me and I was like, oh, yes, it, it has to be now. But it was that now or never moment that was kind of forced on all of us that may have not yet been ready, per se, to, to transition. Uh, because when the policy went into place and we finally knew when there was a date where this ban was going to lock in, there was a 30-day window where anyone who didn't hadn't come out in that time or before and received the diagnosis of, of gender dysphoria on their military medical record could have been forbidden and was forbidden from transition or any transition-related care from that point forward. So you had to look into the crystal ball. And for me, that meant a lot of introspection, a lot of, you know, what does this mean? What is it going to mean going forward? Um, and I had, as you said, this is in the interview, but I had always resisted getting that diagnosis because a component of gender dysphoria is clinically significant distress. And I hated that. I never felt like that was something that was me because I was good at my job. I was great at my job. And there was nothing about being trans, being as self-described as gender fluid at the time that 
held me back necessarily that I felt was out there, you know, pushing me down. But it wasn't all there was to me. And through that introspection, through a point where I just said, if I had to go one way or the other, this is really who I am. This is what's important to me. I need to take this opportunity now uh, because this is me. This is who I am. Um, and as I went through the transition process with the military, I got that diagnosis with less than a week to spare uh, before the ban went into place. And the rest is somewhat history, uh, but it's ever changing uh, and ever evolving and still have so many things to do and explore uh, while here in the military. I feel like that question, and forgive me if I'm if I'm delving into it in the wrong way, Christy, I feel like that question kind of leads into if you weren't forced, would you have just continued to be on being gender fluid and, and happy? So I think the question that is in the background, any regrets? No, no regrets, uh, certainly. Uh, it has been wonderful. And when you kind of look back at that outside perspective and you start to think, was I delaying for those reasons that I really didn't want that diagnosis? And yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it kind of changed my timing. Maybe it didn't change what I was. Maybe I just said, you know what? There have been external constraints, concerns. Again, it's that, that now or if not never, long delayed moment um, and difficult conversations with, with my wife because we've been riding this roller coaster for almost 20 years together. Uh, but it, the time was right uh, for me, uh, regardless of what the situation was, it just may have accelerated a little bit to make me think and make me take a breath and focus on myself for just a little bit because I was high speed. I am still high speed doing one thing, then another, then another. And I was constantly on the road, you know, taking care of my people uh, and doing what we could to get the job done. So it made me take a breather and say, yeah, now is right. Wow. All right, Hilarious Stanley would like to know, did you find any similarities in your transgender transition and your career transition from United States Air Force to United States Spare Space Force, oh. <laughs> has one helped prepare you or give you a tool for the other? Well, since my transfer to the Space Force isn't until February 1st, I can't say how well, but I alluded to it earlier that, yeah, I kind of think transition has prepared me for this because it gave that, okay, here's an identity if not totally internal, at least an external identity, how the world sees me and the ability to, okay, that's over here now. Now you have this and it'll be the same way. Yeah, Air Force is a huge part of who I am. It always will be, but I'm gonna take off that Air Force hat, set it over here, put the Space Force one on and go forward. So uh, yes, in a way it probably has prepared me to shed an identity uh, but in, in all everything else, the lessons I learned through transition made me a better leader, a better officer, uh, and kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things that mattered in the Air Force and are going to matter just as much, if not more so, as I move to the Space Force. Bree, can you give an example of how transitioning opened your eyes to things you had not witnessed before? Yeah, I wrote about this and I hope we can we can share the article. One of the things I really started to notice, um, you know, as I started doing some of the advocacy work, diversity and, and thinking about this was how many meetings I went into that were just filled with older white men and that almost subconscious counting of women and minorities that are in the room and realizing, oh, wow, it's probably not just me that's doing it. That woman's probably been doing it her entire career. And just that, that opening to, you know, how challenging must it be to think who might be an ally? And, and you don't want to think, well, just because they're the same gender I am or just because they're the same race I am, but it gets to be that way in some, in some ways. 
And you really have to focus on setting that inclusive environment that encourages people who might otherwise feel marginalized or excluded to be able to speak up, to participate and be there fully, rather than just thinking, if I speak up, am I going to get slapped down? Am I now going to be mansplained to uh, on some things? So just one of the ways in which my eyes were open to some challenges uh, that others might have been facing that I went through life never seeing up until that point. Bree, I would be very happy if you would like for me to share in our newsletter that we send out at least once a week, usually every Tuesday, if not more. Um, I would be happy to send out the articles that you have written where you've kind of really delved into this. Yeah, that would be wonderful if, if you would. Um, I think it's a, hopefully there are a few lessons learned that, that I think uh, transition while in command taught me that might be applicable to, to some of your readers uh, and skills they can build on or think about and, and how we create diverse and inclusive environments. So if anybody is watching and you are not currently getting my emails, I do try to be very limiting because I hate getting spammed. So we, um, we produce a show every Tuesday. So our email goes out every Tuesday. If we have something special going on, like right now we have a 30 day feminine flexibility yoga challenge that we're doing. So I'm emailing a little more often about that. And our club membership reopens February 1st. So we're gonna start getting emails on that, but mostly it's Tuesdays. If you are not getting those and you would like to have the links for today's interview that you can listen to or watch later, if you'd like the link on the articles that Brie has written and on her interview next week, please send me an email, info at CassandraStorm.com, C-A-S-S-A-N-D-R-A-S-T-O-R-M, or you can go to MyFeminineHeart.com, our website, and just fill in one of our forms and, and we'll be sure to get you on the list because if you're listening and you want to be kept up to date with amazing things and get extra special links like that, I would be happy to share that with you. And um, those are the those people who do get our emails get special offers like, so Brie, we're going to lead into this for you. Last month, we had one of our um, regulars on, one of our regular contributors, Ashley Brundage, came on for the third time in the past year because she has a new book called Empowering Differences. And she offered a special discount for anybody in our audience. So if you got our newsletter, you got a discount to her book. And then she had an even bigger discount, a 75% discount to her entire bundle for our club members. So um, I'm gonna use this as a way to cut in real quick. Brie, you have something special coming up later this year too, right? I do. I also have a, a book coming out with my co-author, uh, Mel Sheridan, who's a professor at Hamlin University. Uh, our manuscript is going off to our publisher uh, this week. So we expect in uh, just a couple months, once they do the final copy editing and put the cover together, uh, that our book will be available from NYU Press. Uh, it's titled With Honor. Uh, it is stories of transmilitary service members, some of whom may be listening today, right now, uh, as contributors in that book, uh, and then a history of trans service uh, to lead it off, uh, you know, going back all the way uh, into prehistorical times, talking about the fight uh, leading up through uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell's repeal, and then very specifically dives into what's happened since Don't Ask, Don't Tell was repealed in 2011, and how the fight for open service for, for trans personnel became a reality, uh, and the challenges we still face going forward. Bree, I'm so excited for you. And as somebody who's been writing a book through their entire 30s and still has not finished it yet, like just snaps and applause. And if you are as proud as Brie, for Brie as I am, and if you are as excited for her book as I am, let's do hearts. Who has hearts out there? You know how we do the little thumbs up on Facebook? Send a heart through if you are as excited for this book. And Brie, I hope that you come back on the show when it goes to press so that we can share everybody and let them know, hey, the book is out. It's your time to go grab it. No, oh, I'd be more than happy to. We're really excited uh, for getting those stories out there uh, and so thankful for all the people that were willing to share their stories with us dating back to the Vietnam era to a number of folks that are serving today uh, and what it's been like serving as a trans person. I think it's a really pivotal time for you to be sharing this because imagine if we took 
all the service people out there who have ever or would ever serve in the military who are trans and how we would be lacking as a nation at that at that point. I mean, I can't even imagine what our military would look like without those incredible hearts and minds and soldiers out there fighting for us. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Historically, trans people have served at twice the rate of their cisgender counterparts. And there are a lot of theories as to why that might be, but the evidence is there in VA records uh, and other documents that service is a key component uh, for a lot of trans people and many more so still continuing that tradition on today. So if you gave hearts for Bree's book, give me a thumbs up if you are a currently serving in the military or if you are a veteran. And thank you very much for that because I'd love to know how many people on here have served or are serving right now. All right, Bree, we've got a really tough question coming this way. <laughs> I don't even know how you're gonna answer this. So it sounds like a softball. <laughs> yeah. um, Bobby Roberts, Bree, your wife and your kids have been an amazing support for you. Being a parent of four myself, I can understand how that feels, but how can you put that love into words? You can't. You, you don't put love into words. You put love, well, you can try and put love into words and some people are good at it. Some people are probably pretty great at it. Uh, but in, in my family, we put our love into our hugs uh, and it is constant. I got to spend, spend time home uh, for the holidays this just this past couple of weeks. And it got to be so much, I had to tell, tell my youngest, stop hanging on me. Cause every time it was just grab and, and hang, I'm like, I'm old, now stop, <laughs> stop hanging. You know, I'm breaking down. Uh, but that's how we really, really show that love. Uh, it's that, that time together until they drive me crazy enough to say, go in the other room, I'm done with your love. Uh, but it, it's, it's our love is shown through actions and through uh, what we do for others. I totally agree. We have another great, we have so many questions. You're going to be on here till midnight, I'm telling you. <laughs> um, Bree, do you think we will need a gender dysphoria diagnosis when the ban is lifted? So for a military member that may be serving right now, uh, in order to get treatment, Yes, if we go back to the 2016 policy, which is the complete expectation of where we will go to start with, you will require a gender dysphoria diagnosis in order to receive access to transition-related care. Now, down the road, uh, as stand medical standards get updated, as new versions of the DSM come out, hopefully we can take it away from something that looks and sounds so punitive. Uh, because that really isn't the case. It's not something that all of a sudden appeared on your record. It's something you had for your entire life and you've lived with and you've been a functional adult. So I really wanna get away from that stigma that might be associated with it. Uh, but for the foreseeable near-term future, it's something you, you just have to accept in order to access the care that you might need to be your best self. Um, next question for Miranda Jones. We're just, I'm just going to keep firing him at you, babe. Were there significant struggles for you and Peg during your decision to transition? And how did you two get through that? Well, our biggest struggle was wondering what's Miranda going to think? Uh, because that was really a problem for us. And we wrestled with that over and over again. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, that was the heart stabbing moment of, of our decision. But yes, there absolutely were struggles that, that we went through. Um, I say it's, it's been a roller coaster that we've ridden in dealing with my trans identity and as much what it meant for me as what it meant for her, because it's not just my transition. The, whether she wanted it or not, the world sees her in a completely different light. Uh, the world sees her sexuality as having changed. Uh, the world sees our relationship differently. And that's tough because who she was didn't change and her love stayed the same for me, which is amazing. Um, so no, it, it certainly wasn't easy. There were difficult things because it had always been a fear of hers that, you know, what is transition? If, if you transition, what is that gonna mean? How are we gonna get through that? 
Um, and luckily, I think over the course of the past um, year or so, we've worked through a lot of that uh, through conversations together, uh, through, through some uh, couples counseling that we did, uh, but really time, time was such a factor. Um, it was compounded by the fact that I had that short deadline of, we gotta get this and get it now. Uh, so it was difficult, it was tough, it was heart-wrenching. There were a lot of tears, uh, but we have come out stronger on the other side. And the most amazing thing I think that, that happened recently and, and many of my friends that are, are on Facebook with me and my wife would kill me if I didn't do this, uh, was that for Christmas, uh, she on her last present to me, she came up and said, I got one more thing for you. And she got down on, on one knee and you know gave me a, this beautiful uh, engagement ring. Put it back up. All right, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you can't really get the focus well, but. We get the, and we then, get the picture. And then she, she, had, she had to make sure to make the point that she got me a diamond that was bigger than hers. And I was like, of course, you got a diamond on a lieutenant salary. I'm getting a diamond on a lieutenant colonel salary. There's a big difference between the two. Uh, but the fact that she was willing to do that for me and to finally let me put back on my original wedding band because she got the, the ring sized to match uh, with, with my wedding band from, from us getting married you know, 16 and a half years ago uh, was amazing. And there were plenty of tears, uh, I, but I am so lucky, so blessed to have her and everything she's done for me. Yeah, so um, for anybody who is watching us new for the first time, um, you know, every few weeks we feature a new transition story. And in Oct and we started calling them Sisters of the Month. So we've been featuring kind of one special um, trans woman or her family and or together. And in October was the first time we had a spouse on the show. And it was so well received and so overwhelming that the one interview ended up being like a four week split up interview where we heard from the spouse, then we heard from the spouse that transitioned, and then we heard from them together, then they joined us live, then we saw bonus footage. Um, and that was a moment when I got such an outpouring from our following from our sisters who said, we need to hear from spouses. We need to know how to come out to them. We need to know how this affects them in transition. And I, I, I gave a promise back in October when I had this outpouring that I will bring in more spousal support and more spousal stories. So I can tell you that um, like our sister and family, the month in February is going to be featuring that too. Down the road, um, I am hoping to pull in a spouse panel. Somebody on here asked who Peg is. We know who Peg is now. And I'm hoping that Peg would be, um, would honor us in joining us when we have a panel of spouses that come on to uh, answer questions. Yeah, and it's always better to have her with me because as I mentioned with my Hindenburg size ego that just keeps inflating, she'll be the one next to me constantly poking holes in it. So it's always good to have her along. That's awesome. All right, we're gonna keep on rolling through. We have another one from Alaria, but she's she is sending some really good ones. Brie, sadly, there is a long history in the US military of a stigma emanating from a mental health diagnosis. After you decided to seek your diagnosis, did you experience any of that stigma or counter to stereotypes? Did you find more support and empathy? So Luckily for me, that was really internal. That wasn't something I had to deal with or that I advertised because you know that was between me and my doctor. Uh, and so that didn't come into play in like, hey, I'm Brie and I have gender dysphoria. And that means I have you know, these problems as, as it were uh, and in clinically significant distress. I don't introduce myself that way. You'd have to dig pretty deep into a relationship with me to to find that out that it's on there, but I still don't believe it either, that I have any sort of clinically significant distress. So it wasn't really something that, that came in terms of any external relationships, um, but it's that self-imposed thing that I think a lot of people probably deal with to say, well, 
the psychological community is telling me I'm broken. Does that mean I'm broken? And it's very similar to what uh, lesbians, gays, bisexuals went through. Uh, if you look at the, the history of the fight to remove uh, homosexuality from the DSM as a mental disorder, we're talking about the same things. But the challenge is with trans as, as a condition, medical care that doctors need to bill for is dependent on having some sort of diagnosis so that the insurance companies are gonna pay. So it's not like removing it makes everything go away because you have to have something they code it to. Uh, and we've got to figure out what that is so that we can get that external stigma, which really I would say more than anything causes internal shame for people that I've spoken with uh, about it. Uh, we need to get, get rid of that and make sure that we aren't as a society putting this on people. Yeah, totally agree. And Larry is cheating because uh, Sparta does a program to help train people how to give interviews and she's been through it. So she knows how to ask the, the very pointed questions. <laughs> All right, Alaria, we got our eye on you. Okay, this one is from Nicole Martina. And this is actually leading into one of my fave stories of yours. Brie, you've come so far in such a short period of time. You really look great. You do, by the way, you look great. Hey, I put um, lipstick on for the first time in several forevers and I realized just how dry the air is because it's like soaking in and ow, that hurts, that stings. Lipstick is not supposed to sting. I am <laughs> very flattered that you did that because I know that you were on camera all the time. Um, but anyway, how did your kids react at first? They obviously accept you and more importantly, love you. But was there a time that they were afraid that they might lose their dad? So the key through all of it was the love question that we talked about and my ability, my wife's ability to tell them that the love isn't going anywhere, that I am the same person that loves them. I am their parent. I will always be their father. Now they call me Maddie now rather than daddy, uh, but I'm still their parent. I'm still their father and the love is there. Uh, in talking with them the first time that, that I was trans, uh, my kids were, were fairly young at the time. Uh, my oldest was, was six and it really was in one ear out the other uh, in terms of she's, after we told her uh, that, you know, sometimes daddy likes to dress up like a princess like you do. And she's like, okay, can I go back to playing Minecraft now? Uh, and okay, go right ahead. And that meant for my younger one who was you know, two at the time and had kind of seen it before that, it had always been part of her life that Brie was around. Um, but when we had to tell them that I was transitioning, that is an, another layer. That is you know, the worry. And uh, from my youngest, certainly there, there was some concerns. What does this mean? No, don't do it. But the love was the important part. And now, uh, and, and my kids have been amazingly supportive. They are so fantastic. As, as I transitioned uh, and was, was full time, they started being the pronoun police for one another. And when one of them would slip up with pronouns and say he, the other would go whoop, 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 uh, and you know, make that, that British police siren noise and, say, and correct the other. So they got over that pretty quickly because they were really good at it, at picking up uh, on, on one another or when uh, when Peg slipped up or anyone, you know, we're on the phone with my mom or Peg's mom and pronoun police would come in whooping from the other room. So uh, the kids have been fantastic. We have so many questions coming in. I know that what you just answered to goes deeper um, because obviously you had come out to your children when you still were not allowed to come out in the military. So you were still at home. So I would tell anybody who really wants like the, the, the bigger answer, cause we have to move on. Um, listen to watch if you're a club member or listen to, if you're just part of our sisterhood, um, part of our wider audience to her interview next week. Cause she really goes into this. Um, but from, from another one of our sisters, I'm so happy to attend virtually and hear you speak again from Rome to your current location, how was the culture and your organization supporting you during your transition and your journey? How does diversity and inclusion look for the Space Force? And any thoughts with the uh, presidential transition improving diversity and inclusion? 
That's a big question. You had like a whole paragraph there. Yeah, that's not a big question. That's like six questions. So we'll, <laughs> we'll see what I can remember and then come back to, to what I might have missed. Um, but I completed my transition while I was was uh, at, at Rome uh, at the Air Force Research Lab. So and they were fantastic. My my uh, commander there, my my boss was was awesome. Supported me through everything. Uh, my unit was was fantastic. Uh, all my folks kind of threw a little party for me uh, the day I first came to work as myself. And I, I know we talk about that uh, in in the other story as well. Uh, but nothing but but support and an amazing uh, reaction there. Although. It was interesting that the first day I finally got to, you know, put the right uniform on, as it were, and show up to work, was less than a week before we all dispersed for COVID, and I never really saw uh, my folks again until a few of them were able to gather for my change of command and departure. But that meant showing up here at the War College, you know, I'm just another female lieutenant colonel showing up, uh, so it hasn't been anything to talk about, anything to discuss. You know, the only thing I did was I gave a, a heads up to the senior Air Force officer here that, hey, I do uh, media, I do interviews, um, and anything big before it comes up, I'll let you know. Uh, because you always give your boss the, the heads up. You don't want to drop surprises in their lap. Uh, so that's been it. Um, otherwise, it's been, been fantastic. Um, have found some amazing friends, amazing communities, a few who know I'm trans, a few who, as far as I know, don't. And it's no big deal. Um, so that's that's fantastic uh, to be in that environment where I'm just me, and I just get to be the you know the rocket scientist, space force person in in the seminar. You know that trans is number seven or eight of the list of things about me that other people may may or may not know. Um, see diversity in the space force. Uh, I think already they've put out a diversity plan and some of the high level strategy documents that really address some of the diversity issues and have made it a focus and that it's out there from the beginning. So I'm excited to see where we go. There's all sorts of uh, teams being formed uh, to talk about and work on diversity issues. Uh, right now, obviously this summer we had a big push uh, to talk about and see what we can do to solve some of our racial disparities. And, and that I'm sure will get expanded as we build that, that 21st century service to make sure that everyone can reach their full potential um, and have the same opportunities that everyone else had. So I think I only hit two or three, what did I miss? You got it, girl. That's we're good. <laughs> we have we have more coming in, and I've got a question for you in our chat. Um, I'm gonna read some of the positive comments coming in. First of all, since I asked people to give thumbs up and hearts, you are getting so many of those. Um, my mom is on, and she just wanted to thank you for sharing. She could not be more proud of you. Um, Alaria says you've been a personal inspiration for her as she's pursued her own transition, and she can't be grateful enough. Um, we've got, oh my gosh, so many people just, you're melting their heart with their, these stories. Um, great point about gender dysphoria. It's been the, there all the time, but not new. Robin, our, our, um, club founder, Robin Kunkel says that, you know, it's just, it's always kind of been there. Yeah. And we have this, this issue and it's worse with our pilots because they get grounded for being diagnosed with gender dysphoria. And they're like, I was flying the aircraft yesterday and nothing is different today because you say I have this. Why aren't I allowed in my plane? And that's one of the big things we need to look at and need to change going forward because that's denying someone the opportunity to keep advancing in their career. Even if it's you're down for a month um, just for a diagnosis, that's crazy. It isn't anything that's, that's changed. And I did see your question in chat, you know, ask, have I been working on my voice? Uh, no, uh, I haven't done any sort of voice therapy or, or lessons. Um, and it's become almost subconscious for me. I know my pitch is up a little bit. And while I was home this week, my wife said she was looking at a video of one of our favorites of my youngest when she was, I don't know, one, one and a half and was feeding her ice cream. And she just kept coming to the spoon and going, nom, nom. And you know, she'd get some more, nom, nom, get some more ice cream. And she said, 
your voice has changed a lot. And it's interesting when I'm around my family, I think my voice drops another uh, drops an octave. Uh, but I've just got to this point where this is the voice that comes out. Um, it was a little conscious effort at first. And, you know, if I want to bring it up a little higher, I can, but so it's, it's been internal to something that fits, uh, but no real over the top, you know, hey, I need to do this or that, or um, just, it's my voice. Yeah, it's amazing, um, you know, how you're saying even just from going home and you, you notice that uh, since, my, since my mom is on, I can share like, it drove her crazy. My voice changes all the time. As a child, if I watched Gone with the Wind, I was in a Southern accent for a week, done. <laughs> but I'm also, I'm from a really rural, a uh, twangy high school. So like one evening of having beers with friends from my old high school and I go right back into that twang. <laughs> it is, I can't so, do it. If you want me to go down low and talk about my roots in Minnesota, you know, we can have that conversation. <laughs> yeah, but I can't do it until I hear somebody do it. And then I can't not have that voice. Um, yeah, I can hear your, I can hear that Minnesota in you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so yeah, I love that. Cause I know like a lot of my, um, you know, clients, I've been a photographer in the trans community for years. So I know a lot of my clients when they've gone through voice training and voice work, um, it doesn't always get better when they go through voice work. You know, it takes them a while to find where are they naturally and where are they comfortably. Yeah, and for some people it does wonders because it's about finding that resonance in your voice and uh, from my understanding, moving it forward in, in the cavity. So uh, for some people it's awesome, it works great, uh, but it's about whatever it takes to be comfortable. And for me, I'm comfortable with, with this speaking voice. Uh, yelling is a little bit harder. I, I tend to drop a little lower and I was at the chiropractor this morning and I'm sure the grunt that came out of me uh, was loud and significant, uh, but you know what? It's me uh, and I don't have any issues with that. You've got um, some love coming in for Peg. She's just an amazing person and your story just melted her heart. Oh my goodness. Um, so I have a question. When are you home with everybody? When is the schooling done for you? So school graduation is in June, uh, around June 15th, I believe. Uh, I should find out in the next uh, month or so where my next assignment is, uh, likely be back to DC or LA, uh, but maybe there's a wild card thrown in there and looking forward to finding out where that is. So if you move on to DC or LA, will the whole clan move with you? Absolutely. Uh, every, this was, was an anomaly in the career. We hope not to do that again, um, but there's a possibility we will because a, a big thing we want to do, even though it's challenging with the military, is uh, we want each of our kids to have high school in one location or at least 10th through 12th grade because uh, to me particularly, you know, my best friends are still my high school friends and to give them that formative experience where they can build those bonds rather than move multiple times. Well, if that means me having to live separate for a year again, um, we might have to do that. And we've learned it's awful, it's terrible. We can make it work. Um, but hopefully we don't have to, if we could stay in DC for the next eight years, that would be awesome. Uh, but you never know. And there is still this ethos, service before self. Um, we can make things work for the kids as we've tried to do this year, uh, but that might mean some sacrifices for us along the way. Yeah, you have a lot of people hoping that you stay on the East Coast right now coming in. And um, believe it or not, folks, we have been on here for almost an hour. So if you have any last questions for Brie, we are going to be wrapping up very soon. And one of our earlier questions, somebody mentioned, um, so pre-orders for your book, is that going to be a possibility? Like maybe if we pre-order, we get a special signed copy? Uh, I don't think so. That's all up to the publisher. Uh, if there is something available, uh, I will make sure and, and let folks know. Um, but uh, the publisher handles all that and I don't have a say in it. I think I've gotten through to everybody's questions. If I missed you, I am so sorry. Um, Brie obviously is a, a superstar. So we've had a lot to cover this evening. And I, I feel like you've just done an amazing job 
Um, I've just been firing them at you left and right. All right, now we're getting silly. Miranda wants to know, where did you get your top? It's gorgeous. <laughs> no idea. It's This is probably six or seven years old and I've had it forever. I love it. Um, um, uh, no idea. New York and company, maybe? <laughs> that's, that's got a, a New York and company feel. Yeah, I can feel that vibe. Um, Brie Fram, this is from um, a, another one of our audience members. I've never seen you happier. Congratulations on bravely living the life you were meant to and for serving our country as such an amazing role model. Well, thank you. It's It's been a pleasure. It is my honor to serve. It truly is. And I am so thankful for the opportunities I've been given uh, by the Air Force and by this country. Wow. Well, I feel like we have covered about three hours worth of information in an hour. It was just like, boom, 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 boom. And you are so amazing. I don't want to take too much of your time because I, I will tell all of you, for those who are watching, um, when I asked Brie to be our sister of the month, she was like, I can come live like the first week, but as we get closer to the inauguration, like I'm going to be a little busy. And I, I was like, well, why? Of course you would, but why would you be busy? And she's like, well, I'll be interviewing with, you know, like CNN and like the big guns. So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I appreciate that you had time for like the little guns over here and that we were able to squeeze you in before your schedule got out of control. Um, but so a few things I'd like to, to add for anybody who is watching, um, we have been doing this for a year, uh, love doing this. We are, a, a, an organization, uh, that just promotes trans women. We're kind of cisgendered women and trans women coming together, supporting each other with this big progressive move forward. We have a big mission of, uh, supporting, with outreach and education, the, the trans woman community. Some of the things we have going on right now that you can participate in for free. So um, every Tuesday night, we have an episode that airs. Some are completely free to watch and interact with just like tonight. Others um, are just for our, our paid club members. But if you wanna be a part of our club membership, it's really inexpensive. It's like $12 a month. We only open up, you know, two or three times a year for people to join our membership because we love to get to know our sisters as, you know, um, as our group and we kind of grow together. Our membership reopens February 1st. So February 1st, we will be open for one week only and then we will shut down again and we won't be open again for months. So if you love what you are seeing and you want to be a part of this, um, our club members, they are very involved in the creation, the con vote. We have a private Facebook group. So if you're on the Facebook group, I need you to vote. We have a uh, transformation makeup artist, Elizabeth Taylor is going to be doing a private makeup class for our club members in our private Facebook group page on Tuesday, January 26th. And right now we want to know what style of makeup do you want her to teach? Do you want to teach her to you how to do a day look, contouring, focus a, and episode on the lips. Last fall, she did a special uh, private makeup class for us that taught us how to do the smoky eye. That was really fun. So our club members can join us on Zoom and put on makeup while Elizabeth's putting on makeup and ask questions and, and do it all along with her. So club members, if you're watching, I need you to answer this poll for us. And for anybody who wants to really get involved, if you're feeling a little isolated, if you felt alone over the holidays, um, we all know kind of what it's like to be away from our loved ones right now. Um, we are getting together every single day at noon. Um, I'm doing a, I'm a yoga instructor on top of everything, on top of hosting my feminine heart and being a photographer. Um, I actually am a yoga instructor and uh, starting January 1st, I started a uh, free feminine flexibility challenge where every day for just 10 minutes a day, we have gathered on Zoom to Facebook Live and we have done a 10 minute yoga class. And I'm uh, teaching all of our wonderful ladies how to stretch and move in new ways and building up to our first full yoga class together, which will be January 31st. So um, this is open and free to anyone. Everybody is welcome. Uh, but we are going to close this so that we can continue to progress together as a class in, in what we're learning. So if you'd like to sign up, you can sign up at myfeminineart.com. 
look for our yoga challenge. And uh, that will be closing next Friday. So if you'd like to join, send me a shout out. You can email me info at CassandraStorm.com. Um, Brie, if anybody wants to follow what you're doing, we are going to be putting um, your articles and links in the next newsletter. But for now, if anybody wants to find you or if they're just huge fans of everything you've talked about, they love space and they love STEM and they love what you're doing in the military and with Sparta, how can people find and follow you? Uh, well, if you go to Sparta's website, spartapride.org, uh, you can find my bio and contact information on there uh, or find me on Facebook. I am, the, there are not very many Brie Frams because there aren't very many Frams out there. So I'm very easy to find if you have another question or want to shoot me a message. Yeah. Um, thank you so much. And I've got more comments coming in. So I will wrap up. Um, with the last of these. So um, you have so many thank yous, I can't even keep up. Um, so, um, oh my goodness. Uh, Miranda, Miranda gives me a hard time. Miranda's in my daily yoga class. So I gotta... you need to give Miranda a hard time because she deserves a hard time. <laughs> She's one of my gals. She's one of my buddies. Um, so Miranda says your yoga might be free, but it's not painless so far. No, I do push. I do challenge. This is not chair yoga. I am, I am pushing the gals in there. Um, Diana Crow says your yoga class is fantastic. Um, Diane uh, is one of um, a brand new encounter. She joined our yoga challenge. I had not met her before and I'm so excited that I'm getting this one on time with, one on time with her every day. Um, so everybody just wants to thank you so much for your time with this. And somebody was, I think, disappointed that I missed their comment and they specifically wrote it again. That. Yeah, that's, I think, a perfect ending for us tonight. Bree, thank you so much very much for your time and for everything that you are doing to, you know, I want to say advocate for uh, transgender people in the military and to progress our country forward. But basically, thank you for everything you're doing to make the world a better place. And Tracy, you said it right. Bree, you're one of my heroes too. Thank you. I, I, it means a lot to me. Thank you, everyone. Have a beautiful evening. We love you. Good night, and we will see you next Tuesday. Good night, y'all. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.